Nobody breathe. Hopefully it'll work. <laughs> Can God take a hardened heart 
draw it unto himself. Is he still not king? And creator and Lord and master of the universe? Can God help my family? Can God do a work in my marriage? Can God uh, do a work in the lives of my children, even some that begin to go astray? Can God? The question has always been asked. I've been guilty of this at times where I may say, well, God can. And I may say, God can, but down deep in my heart, could it be that I've reversed the two words and I've begun to question within myself? Yeah. Can God? The Lord's trying to help us here, just as he was trying to help the disciples in the book of Mark. Are you there? Would you say amen? amen? Mark 11, we're going to seek to preach hastily tonight. I pray that God will do a work through the service of what he has in store in this hour, but also in the next. Notice in Mark chapter number 11, verse number 22, And Jesus answering, saith unto them, Let's say these next four words together. Have faith in God. Father, I pray that you help us tonight. We ask for a spirit of revival. Lord, we ask for revival because only you can bring it. We cannot manufacture revival. Lord, we desire to be even greatly stirred, touched, moved. We desire a manifestation of thy glory. We really do want this glory. Even in this moment of time of prayer, I pray that you cause our hearts and our minds to become still and help us to focus on thee alone. Create within us a hunger and a thirst. An appetite, a craving, a desire. For you to be very evident in our midst. We ask for a special anointing of thy spirit. We ask for the power of God. Please, humbly we ask. Would you please visit us. Move among us. Encourage us. Build us up tonight. Edify us. Exhort us. Grant unto us and give unto us, we ask for revelation. Lord, I pray tonight that you increase our faith, knowing that you're the God of the impossible and you can do the supernatural. We desire this. Please, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Have faith in God. Verse number 23 continues, But verily or truly I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, verse number 24, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when ye, what's the next word? Pray. Believe that ye receive them, and ye Shall what church have now, This is solid scripture. We must take God's word. God doesn't pull any punches. He says what he means, and he means what he says. And we find all through scripture a great emphasis of prayer. Even our theme passage for this conference, where Jesus, in the midst of it, as he acknowledges the plight of the harvest, as we heard preached this morning in that first service, how that after he acknowledges that the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few, there is an emphasis. Where God says, pray. I believe tonight that we all agree that the greatest tragedy among our churches is that we don't pray enough. We don't pray frequently. See, the truth is, we can engage in religious activities in the flesh. But instead of us trying to manufacture and make and manipulate and do things in and of ourselves to try to make a difference instead of us trying harder let's try God Amen. let's seek the Lord the God who is simply a word galaxies were born who in just six literal 24 hour days was able to create the entirety of the universe that we see the great vast expanse of outer space the God who says all power is given to me is turning around and telling the church the body of believers and those who are presented here from various churches Hey, that power is available to you. You can have supernatural power manifested in your life. But there will be no outpouring of God's power. There will be no outpouring of His provision unless there is an intercession from God's people.
The only way we will experience God doing great work is through prayer. Hey, he says, you have not because you ask not. Or sometimes you're asking, as he references in the book of James, and you ask amiss. You're asking, but you're not asking as you ought to be asking. And Jesus teaches us, and thank God it's there. I believe it's in Matthew 7, where he says, ask, and shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Whosoever, uh, and if I may paraphrase, ask it, receive it. Whoever seeketh, find it. Whoever knocketh, it shall be opened. Praise God. The power of prayer, the privilege of prayer. But could it be that we have lost perspective of what God can do as a result of prayer? See, God wants to do a great work. But God will not be able to do a great work, and God will not do a great work unless He is invited. He says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And show thee, reveal unto me, expose to you. Hey, I've got something sore that you cannot wrap your mind around. As an epicenter for revival, Isaiah 64 teaches us that in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 64, verse number 4, man, I have not seen, neither have entered into the heart of men. They've never thought truly what God is.
believe this is one of the greatest forms of pride. Because when we don't pray, in so many words, if we could just finish this thought as we move forward and just, Lord, jerk me back to this. And so I'm just trying to mind the Lord. He's super hypersensitive to the Holy Spirit. When we don't pray, we're telling God, I don't need you. I'm fine without you. And in so many ways, in so many words, we're telling God to buzz off. To keep your nose out of our business. We need the Lord. And the only way God will do a great work is if he is invited. There will be no outpouring without intercession. There will be no manifestation of God doing the supernatural and revealing and exposing what He only is capable of doing. Unless we as God's people pray, we pray, we pray. There's no point in souling. There's no point in working or witnessing if we don't pray. Say, well, the early church, this and that deal. Hold on. Before there was a Pentecost, there was a prayer room. Jesus said, hey, I'm going up to heaven. There's a job that needs to be done. You need to get engaged. But tarry. Yes, you got to go in all the world and preach the gospel with every creature. Man, there's a human race that must be reached before it's too late. Souls are dying on it. But tarry and wait. Hold on. There's greater work that you must engage in before, before you can go out and evangelize. And that is seeking his face. Right. I don't know what I did, but the mic turned off. <laughs> I think I scared the mic. Come back. Come back. I won't hurt you, I promise. I don't know what's going on with that. We'll just preach. We'll preach from the diaphragm. <laughs> Disciples waited until they had gotten a hold of God. You say, what? They waited all those days. They didn't go so many. They prayed. What a waste of time. No. It would have been a waste of time for them to hit the streets immediately and not pray. I believe as a result of them praying, that's why we see the explosion. The outpouring in the book of Acts. Instead of working harder, let's pray more. Instead of trying harder, let's try God. I'm not advocating for laziness. Listen to the morning's message. Let's be active. Let's not sleep. Let's go all in. Let's be faithful to the finish. Let's sweat. Let's bleed. Let's die for our God. Let's give it all we've got to the last moment of our existence. You don't dare go forward without having a prayer. Have faith in God. Could it be that we don't pray and we don't have faith because we've forgotten who God is? Who He truly is. We've forgotten what He's promised us in His Word. We've forgotten what he's capable of doing. That's why I enjoy reading the Bible. There's so many different facets about it. It encourages me. One thing that it does in my life is that when I read stories this morning, um, I was reading the story about Elisha as he was speaking there about how that there won't be any rain, but he's going to do the great work and the miracle and turn the army back and see victory. And it was just like, hey, I've heard that story hundreds of times, but it stirred my heart all over again because it's still in the book. It's still in the Bible. Man, God brought victory back then. God can do it today. Let's see what God is supernaturally do. God didn't work as a result of, you know, our effort. No, it was just all God. God That's what I want. Amen. I want it to be all God, where it is the Lord's doing. Psalm 1823. Man, we try to claim that verse as much as possible. It's the Lord's doing. It's God's working. It's marvelous in our eyes. We're in awe of what God is doing. May God help us to have faith. Keep your finger here in Mark chapter number 11. Let's journey very quickly to Isaiah chapter number 59. Let's look at this very briefly. Uh, just as a brief pause, I believe this will help us tonight. Have faith in God. In God, have we forgotten who God is? Or have we forgotten what God is capable of doing? Have we forgotten what God has promised us in His Word? I love this. Isaiah 59 is just one verse of so many that we can go to for a point of reference tonight. Isaiah 55. 
Behold. You see that word? What does that word signify? Hey! Stop what you're doing. Hey! No, look, 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 look. Pay attention. That's what that word means. Half of you are still trying to find, find the passage when you're looking up like, oh, did I do something wrong? <laughs> no, no, but that's what that word means. Hey! Hey, don't, don't forget about this. Hey, let me get your attention. Look here. It's like a purple billboard on the side of the road, all the bright lights and the big colors and bold words. And, oh, well, look at that. The advertisement of like, you know, call this law office, you know, whatever the number is. And it's all like all eights or all sevens. I don't know, in America, it's like that. Three or four. Seven, 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 seven. All day, like, well, okay, I guess I'll remember that. I don't know, buddy. But it's, but it's in there. It's there to get your attention. God is trying to get our attention. Why? So many things trying to take our focus off of Him. So many things trying to get us to take our eyes off of Him. Yeah. Who should have our focus all times? Behold, let's get into it. Behold, it says, The Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy. That I cannot hear. Wow. By the way, this is one verse that I cling to. Hey. Cling to. That gives me the absolute convinced belief that national revival is possible. That global evangelism is possible. Not because of us or our efforts or any of us, but rather because of who God is. Hey. And what God has promised us of what he can do in his word. Hey, it's solid scripture. We must take him at his word. Behold, the Lord's hand is. That two little word is. Somebody help me out. The word is is that past tense, present tense, or future tense. Raise your hand, I'll call it. Yes, sir. Present tense. What's this teaching us right here? Because this was written like thousands of years ago, right? It was in the present tense thousands of years ago, it's still in the present tense today. It's never going to change from that. It's never going to go into the past tense. Well, his hand was, you know. What is this teaching us? Have faith in God. Hey, God's not dead. Amen. Is. 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 God did it back then, yes, but hold on. This is for you. This is for me. His word endureth and abideth for all generations. Is. The Lord's hand is. God's not dead. We serve a risen Savior. We do not serve some dead or deity, someone's still buried in a tomb somewhere. Praise God. He's alive and well, sitting in the right hand of the throne of the Father, even making intercession for us as we pray. Praise God tonight. He's not dead. Amen. The Lord's hand is not short. Have faith in God. Why? Hey, he's not dead. Amen. He's the only God alive. He's Amen. the only one period. Amen. Notice also, secondly, just a thought by way of introduction. Hey, God's not done. God's Amen. not done. The Lord's hand is not short. That it cannot so many preachers in America, pastor understands what I speak of, they just become disillusioned and discouraging, and America's gone. I guess we'll just kind of do, stay faithful to the end, you know, last man standing, you know, here we go. I know, no, 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 it's never too late. Because God's still gone. Even in the final moment, the last hour, God can still do a supernatural work. I believe that. Hey, his hand is not shortened, that it cannot save where, where uh, the, the, the life is on the hand of someone who's lost is too far gone, that they cannot be redeemed, they cannot be saved. Amen? There is not a family that's too far gone, a marriage too far gone, there is not a nation too far gone, there is not a community or a city represented here tonight that's too far gone, Paxton and wayward, rejecting God, that God cannot save. Yeah. He's the one who put it in the Bible, not us. This is solid scripture, and we must just simply take him at his word and cling to it. And claim it and say, God, what can you do? We want to have God. Have faith in you. You're the one whose hand is not shortened. That it cannot save, you can still save. I love reading about revival history. I have a book here that I brought from America. This was printed in 1906. This book that I hold in my hand. Our family took a handful of months and read this together. Small portions over that period of time just to behold the working of God in the past. This book here is called the Tory, R.A. Tory and Alexander. Tory and Alexander, they were a team. They traveled with several others that went with them and journeyed with them as they conducted evangelistic crusades around the world in the early part of the 1900s, 1902 to 1906 or so. 
They circumnavigated the globe. Over 100,000 getting saved through the meetings in just that short span of time. R.A. Torrey was the preacher. Charles Alexander was the song leader and the musician. They were a team. One was considered the minister by way of sermon, Torrey. The other, Charles Alexander, was known as the minister by way of song. Man, the congregations would sing. And sometimes, even late after the crusades or after the services at night in the big halls where people were assembled together, they wouldn't want to leave, but they want to sing more. The worship and exalt magnify God. Man, let's, let's sing it again. There are stories in this book of men and women and young people getting saved just in the song service alone. We're talking 150 to 200 people getting saved just in the middle of a hymn. Song service, the power of God is that heaven. There's a whole large chapter in here entitled Evangelizing Australasia. It's just a scratch of the surface of the stories. I broke it again. Stories of what God did. There's a small excerpt in here of what God did in New Zealand. May I read it for a moment? It says here the work of Dr. Tory and Mr. Alexander in New Zealand was, if anything, more successful than the campaigns in Australia and Tasmania. Their tour throughout the country was in the nature of a tri triumphal progress from one city to another. They were welcomed everywhere with open arms. Describing some of their experiences, Mr. Alexander, the song leader, said, Before leaving Melbourne, Australia, we had received a warm welcome by wire from the mayor of Wellington, New Zealand. Where is that? North or South? Tip of North Island, South Park. By wire, the warm welcome from the mayor of Wellington, New Zealand, inviting us to hold a campaign there. We spent 30 days in New Zealand. And it cons consisted, and it was some of the most profitable work I think we have ever done. The power of God was with us from the first day to the last. People came from long distances to attend our meetings. They carried the fire out into the country districts and into country churches. The songs became popular, the hymns became popular immediately. By the way, when I went to Evermore Books the other day, I found an original songbook from those crusades. All right, I want it. Although we could only conduct crusades in three of the largest cities of the country, the smaller towns would telegraph ahead of us, begging us to conduct brief open-air services at the stations, the train stations, during the few moments that the train stopped. We told them that if they would secure a piano on a Lowry and have it handy where we could step out of the train, we would sing a verse, and Dr. Torrey would speak a few words to them. I remember in one trip, we had seven of these meetings between cities. At one place, a crowd of 2,000 persons had assembled at the station. One man came 100 miles to be present at one of those 10-minute services. We had thousands of hymn sheets ready, song sheets ready, which we would throw out over the audience as the train passed. I wrote in one of my songbooks 
to the engineer with my love, Charles Alexander, and sent it down to him. The next Sunday afternoon at the men's meeting, a big fellow came up and looked me full in the face. He didn't say a word, but just held up his hymn book, open the flyleaf. I knew who he was. And I had the chance of thanking him and shaking his hand. Because he gave more moment for souls to be saved at those great stops. God did great work. There was even another time when Charles Alexander came back to New Zealand and there was a great, great work with, with him and uh, uh, J. Moore Chapman. Uh, just incredible how that this says uh, that the team considered the Auckland mission and is now in 1913, April of 1913, uh, seven or eight years later, uh, they were back for another revival meeting in Auckland. It was the most successful and the most fruitful, and I quote, the atmosphere of the city was pervaded by the Spirit of God. Meetings of great power were held at homes and factories on the streets. The people generally declared that never before had the city been so spiritually awakened. The unusual blessing was due largely to the early and earnest preparation. The spirit of prayer prevailed before the arrival of the evangelistic team and continued throughout the series of meetings. 10,000 gospel tracts had been circulated among the churches and people were being invited to the services and 1,738 souls and the movement grew. 
originally told the story of the prayer circles and the great Keswick Convention. Mighty move of God in yesteryear, the Keswick Convention. The idea was taken up at once by prominent religious leaders throughout Great Britain, and soon prayer circles were in existence all over England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales, which aim, whose aim and object was to pray for worldwide revival and for the outpouring of God's Spirit upon all nations in an unparalleled manner. And in 1904, 30,000 people were involved in these circles throughout Great Britain. That is where the Welsh revival came from, by the way, if you're familiar with revival history. One single lady, a prayer warrior, who had faith in God. I can't rest, we need to get all in God. I need to get my friends here, we gotta pray for and day by day by day until it's spread.
will not doubt in your heart. You believe. God will bring it to pass. This has transformed our ministry. It's transformed our lives. And I pray tonight that God would encourage each and every one of us to pray as we ought to pray. And we need to pray. Amen. And we need God. And we Amen. stop and we think about Jesus there in our theme text of the entire conference. Pray therefore, the Lord of the harvest. Pray. Amen. Pray. Let's pray. We need the Lord. We need to see God. Amen. Amen.